chapter 5, verse 25. Y'all ready? Okay. Now a woman suffering from bleeding for had endured much under many doctors. She had spent everything she had and was not helped at all. On the contrary, she became worse. Having heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his clothing. For she said, if I just touch his clothes, I'll be made well. Instantly. Somebody say instantly. Her flow of blood ceased and she sensed in her body that she was healed of her affliction. Immediately, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. Somebody say power. He turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? His disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing against you, and yet you say, who touched me? But he was looking around to see who had done this. This woman, with fear and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Look at your neighbor say the whole truth. Daughter, he said to her, your faith has saved you. Go in peace and be healed from your affliction. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 says this. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. We're in part gazillion in our series called what? I don't know what number we're on for real. I just feel like we're like DJ Khaled. Another one. We're in a series uh, 17,000 in this series called more. And for the next few moments I want to talk from a message title. I'm not doing this no more. I'm not doing this. No more. Look at your neighbor. Look at them real good. Look at them like you love them, especially if they're your sibling or your cousin or your relative. But just look at them in their eyes, make it awkward and say, I'm not doing this no more. I'm not doing this no more. Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much because we're not doing this no more. Holy Spirit, help us. Amen. Amen. You can grab a seat. You can grab a seat. Uh, I want to start our time together by... Um, sharing a what I'm going to call a sticky statement with you. I heard about it as a kid. Maybe you've heard it before. It goes a little like this. It says, fake it until you. Oh, man, y'all heard it before, too. So uh, interesting saying. And uh, obviously you've heard it before, but I have an issue with this statement for a number of reasons. One, because it promotes lying. How many of you hate liars? You just hate liars. Raise your hand. Okay, cool. Half the room. The other half loves liars. Y'all got grace for him. My bro kept his he kept his hand raised. You can put your hands down. Okay. I, it promotes lying. Here's the other one. But my second issue with this statement is simply, uh, how do I say, I hate fake. I hate fake. Let me let me explain. I hate fake friends. Anybody, anybody got any fake friends? I hate fake friends. My, my boy raised both hands. You can put your hands down. Here's another one. Here's another one. I hate fake jewelry. I can't stand it. It turns your neck green, your ears green. That's just, that's not a color that God made his people. I hate fake jewelry. Here's another one. I hate fake shoes. I can't stand it. I told uh, one of the leaders uh, one, one time, I was like, man, if I ever wear fake shoes, all my feet fall off. I hate fake shoes. Here's another one. I hate fake social media accounts. I can't stand it. Don't, don't follow me. Listen to me, y'all. Look at me. Just look at me. I say this with love. Don't you follow me with your Finsta account. Please do not do that. I do not. I cannot stand because if that's your fake Instagram account, I want to know the real you. Why are you posting the real you on your fake account? That makes no sense. And then everybody keeps posting like, this isn't me. Block them. This is not my real account. I believe they lying. I hate fake social media accounts. Here's another one. I hate wrestling because it's fake. I can't stand it. I cannot stand it. Here, I got a better one for you. I don't like Santa, the Easter Bunny, or the Tooth Fairy. Why? Because they fake. Somebody say fake. Lindsay's like, that's blasphemy. I can't believe you said that. I can't stand fake. If you hate fake, somebody shout fake. But the real issue, listen to this statement, the real issue I have 
is that that at times we act as fake as the things we hate. I'm going to say that again because some of y'all be like, Pastor Will, I don't feel like that. You ain't talking about me. Yes, I am. I'm going to say it one more time. At times we act as fake as the things we hate. That's all of us in this room. And I'm here to announce, to declare, to demand, and set free, to put the devil on notice and make you aware, I'm not doing this no more. I'm not doing this no more. I'm not, I'm not letting you fake it anymore. I'm not letting you lie anymore because here's why. Faking it is exhausting. Faking is exhausting. And I want to ask you, aren't you tired of being sick and tired? You can talk back to me. Aren't you tired of being sick and tired? Aren't you tired of lying? Some of y'all are like, I ain't been lying, Pastor Will. Yes. Aren't you tired of acting like everything is all right? Aren't you tired of faking it? Ah, look at y'all. And if you, if you are, as your youth pastor, as a spiritual leader in your life, as a trusted voice in your life, I want to say two words to you. I'm glad. Because we're not doing this no more. We're trying to go to another level. We're trying to experience more. Somebody say more. Here's why. I'm tired of talking to versions of you that you present to me. I'm tired of talking to people who pretend around me. I watch enough movies and TV shows. I don't need any more actors in my life. I'm not doing this no more. Here's, here's something else. People are in character around me all the time. Not anymore. There's a guy on social media. He, be, he makes videos sometimes, James. And sometimes he, he like when he has the video, it's on him. And he smacks the phone. And be like, stop it. Stop it. There's some of y'all just want to go up to you and pop you in your forehead. Stop it. Just stop doing this because we're not doing this anymore. I'm tired of people who get saved and don't change. Uh-oh. I'm tired of people who settle for less than God's best for their life. I'm tired of people being all right with not being all right. I'm not doing this no more. Because if we got real, if we got, if we kept it a hundred, I'm going to talk like y'all. If we kept it a buck, some of y'all don't even know what that means. It's just a hundred dollar bill, a buck. If we kept it real, if we were real honest, we need to address this issue because faking it is, is keeping you from experiencing more. And we see in the story we read earlier, a woman who has had enough. She was tired of what she was going through and decided she wasn't going to live this any in this way anymore. She decided, I'm not doing this no more. Mark chapter 5, verse 25, it says, now a woman suffering from bleeding for 12 years. Somebody say 12 again. She has been bleeding for 12 years. Some of y'all 12 years old. Can you imagine bleeding from the day you were born until now? 12 years. For 12 years, this woman has been hurting, hemorrhaging, and hiding with her issue, losing money, her mind, her friends, her family, her blood, her patience. She is isolated and quarantined 12 years. And most people don't realize this, but she wasn't just bleeding. She was also banished from society because according to the law, she was she was what they called unclean. And not only was she unclean, but but anyone that touched her, they would be considered unclean also. She couldn't shake hands. She couldn't high five. She couldn't get hugs. She couldn't she couldn't even really talk to people without announcing her presence. She was isolated. It means she couldn't go to the synagogue. That's another word for temple or church. She couldn't even go to church. During this season of her life where she needed spiritual and emotional support the most, she wasn't allowed to go where she needed to get help. She was unclean, unwell, and clearly upset. A 12-year physical and psychological struggle. 12 years of waking up every morning, and all she probably wanted to do was go back to sleep because that is the only time that she felt better. Anybody ever been there? 
12 years of the only time she got relief was when she closed her eyes. She said, I'm not doing this no more. To give greater context of the story, if we go back and read the verses before this moment, Jesus is going with a synagogue leader to heal his daughter. When this woman, this lawbreaker, stops them on the way to this synagogue leader's house. And the law demands she must be isolated or she will be stoned to death. Or the law says she must be excommunicated from her community. She must be removed. That is equivalent to if you were in this room right now and you had COVID. We would take you and put you in that closet. I'm just kidding. We would not do that. We might. Don't call for nobody. But that is what it felt like for her to be isolated, but not just in that room, but for until she got that, that, that situation healed and she could present herself to a priest. Twelve years she wasn't around people except to find out what was wrong with her. And because she was unclean, somebody say unclean. She was supposed to announce her presence in public every time she came around people. Could you imagine this young people? She walked into the grocery store unclean. Don't come near me. I'm bleeding. On the way to maybe get water from a well because she needed water or whatever they did during that time to to go to the market. Anytime somebody came close to her, wait, 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 unclean. How embarrassing could that be for 12 years? Unclean. Don't come near me. And because of this, she was supposed to scream unclean. And when she came around people, anything or anyone that touched her, they became unclean also. If she accidentally bumped into somebody and did not say unclean, immediately that person was unclean also. This was the law in this time that they lived in. For 12 years, she would have been known by her problem. For 12 years, she would have been called by her condition, not even her name. Could you imagine? For 12 years, she would have to identify herself by her pain, by her issue. That's a long time. And I bet some of you know exactly what she felt like. Some of you came in here tonight knowing exactly what this woman struggled with. The first thing I want you to know and the first thing I want you to write down is this. Your issue is not your identity. I said your issue is not your identity. That's a good place to say amen. You are not your issue. The story doesn't mention her name, but I'm sure she has one. She has to have one. Doesn't say her name. It doesn't even say how old she is, but it does say how long, how old her problem is. Not once does it mention her name. She didn't want to be known by that, I'm sure. She didn't want to be acknowledged by a label. Here's why. Because anywhere there's a label in your life, there's a limit on what you believe God can do in your life. Anywhere we accept labels that have not come from God, we limit what we believe God can do in our life. Better yet, we need to stop identifying people by who they were before Jesus intervened in their life. Your issue is not your identity. You're not defined by it. You are not what you're going through. And in the story, we have a lawbreaker trying to break her way through to Jesus. She has broken the law by being among the people, but there's more. Verse 26. She had endured much under many doctors. She had spent everything. Somebody say everything. Everything she had and was not helped at all. On the contrary, she became worse. She did everything she could to get better, but never got better. In fact, it got worse. And it says she spent everything she had. In other words, she wasn't just broken. She was broke. She had no money. She had no money to do anything else with her life. She had spent all she had, all her energy, all her effort, all her resources, and nobody had a remedy. Her physical issue has now become a financial problem. 
Have you ever felt like this? Have you ever thought to yourself, if it's not one thing, it's another? Have you ever said to yourself, Jesus, all of this can't be happening to me. All of this at the same time cannot be happening to me. It seems to continue to pile up. This is why you need to remind yourself, point number two, please write this down. There's a blessing in the breaking. There's a blessing in the breaking. Why are you saying this, Pastor Will? Because breaking always precedes breakthrough. I'll explain further. If we're going to be like this woman, if you're not going to do this anymore, if you're not going to live this kind of life anymore, you have to allow yourself to break. I want to tell you tonight that there's beauty in breaking. Because only God can take the broken pieces of your life and make something beautiful out of it. Only God can take the stumbling blocks in your life and build something amazing out of it. You must allow yourself to break. Because we need to realize that the best people come from broken places. I can remember being in situations like these and I had to remind myself that I had to allow myself to break. I've been in services like these before I was supposed to communicate the gospel to students and I would be breaking down here. And by the time I would get up on the platform, I had to allow myself to break. I had to be vulnerable. You need to allow yourself to come into the house of God and break. This is the one place that you can come in broken and I promise you, you will leave whole. This is why you need to break, because too often you come here and you're going through hell. And when we get here, we act as if everything is all right. We're faking it. And so many Christians, so many young believers, so many believers in general, they're so calloused, stone faced and cold hearted because we're thinking breaking is a sign of weakness. And it's not. And we ignorantly assume when something or someone is broken that it has lost its value. That it can't be fixed, so we just throw it away. We just remove it. But please hear me. Broken things are priceless to God because they are useful to him. Let me say it different. Broken people are priceless to God because they are beautiful to him. Your life's not broken. He's he's not looking at you like you're a mess. He's looking at you like I can use that. I can use your situation. I can use your issue. I want to use you. God uses broken pieces. Better yet, God uses broken people. And if you don't believe me, you're looking at one. And I want you to know that the devil wants to break you. He wants to beat you up. He wants to beat you down and he wants to break you down. But there's a blessing in the breaking. We need to learn how to break because playing tough won't make it go away. Acting tough won't make it go away. And you need to find moments where you can just break. Somebody say break. Because in the moment of breaking, in real honesty, is where God becomes the realest in your life. You need to allow yourself to hurt. You need to allow yourself to feel the pain of what you're going through. You need to allow yourself to break because this is the part of the message that some of you needed. This is the part you needed permission to cry. Permission to confess, permission to admit that what you're going through is beyond your control. You needed permission to break. There is a blessing in the breaking. Verse 27, having heard about Jesus, we could just stop right there. Having heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his clothing. For she said, if I just touch his clothes, I'll be made well. Having heard about Jesus, it says she said to herself, 
She's living out the Bible and doesn't even realize it. She's walking by faith and doesn't even notice it. Romans 10, 17 says faith comes from hearing the good news about Jesus Christ. This is what faith does. Listen to this. Faith will not only cause you to speak to mountains. Faith will cause you to speak to yourself. Anybody in the room, y'all talk to yourself? All right, good. I'll just make sure I ain't the only one that's crazy. You can put your hands down. Faith will cause you not only to speak to mountains and say to this mountain, be removed and throw yourself into the sea. Faith will cause you to speak to yourself. Even when people look at you and say, you crazy, you can say to them, the reason I haven't gone crazy is because I talk to myself. Because sometimes the most important person that you talk to besides God is you. She spoke to herself. She said to herself, if I just touch his clothes, I'll be made well. Some translations say this. If I touch the hem, the edge of his garments. She said, if I touch him. She she didn't say if I touch him. She said, if I touch the hem of his garment. She said, if I touch what's touching him, I'll be made well. I don't even have to touch him. I just want to touch what's around him. I just want to reach out my hand and grasp the, the outskirts of what's on him. Please write this down. A piece of Jesus can make you whole. A piece of Jesus can make you whole. It says there's a crowd around Jesus. They're walking to go see him perform this miracle for this synagogue leader. There's a group of people walking around him, pressing about him. And what's crazy to me is she didn't need what everybody else needed. She just wanted to be close enough to him where she could touch him and he wouldn't even notice. She said, I'm not doing this no more. And I don't think we understand what she had to go through to get to Jesus. I think sometimes when we read the story, we we don't understand the, 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 the reality of everything she went through to get to Jesus. Sometimes I don't think we understand what people go through to get to Jesus. I think we forget because we sit in moments like these and we take it for granted, but not anymore. There was a crowd of people around him. So to get to him, she had to go through them. She had to get past and press through people to get to Jesus. The irony in this, the ones that could help her get to him became the barrier that was blocking her from him. The same people that was walking with Jesus that could help her get her issue healed were the same people that was keeping her from getting to Jesus. Watch this. Sometimes we can get so close to Jesus that we don't see the people that aren't able to. Sometimes you can be walking so close with Jesus that you don't see the lost people in your school that have trouble getting to him. And what I want to say to you is that some of you, you are the greatest representation of Jesus in some people's life because you are the only form of God they've ever seen. They haven't seen it in their parents. They haven't seen it in their home. They want to see great expectations and qualities in people and see that the love that you have for one another proves that you're a follower of Christ. And you have to show them that because sometimes we can be so close to Jesus that we don't realize there are other people that can't get to him. But I'm so glad that a piece of Jesus can make us whole. Because in this story, this story isn't just about breaking through. This story is about pressing through. And imagine, just imagine the setting. She is making her way through the crowd. Excuse me, sir. 
excuse me, ma'am, pardon me, excuse me. I mean, she's probably not even loud. She's probably whispering. She's probably weak. Uh, these are assumptions, but I could imagine she's been bleeding for 12 years. She can't be the strongest woman. It's, excuse me, sir. I'm just, I just want to get to Jesus. Pardon me. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to step on your foot. Please forgive me. She's just trying her best to get to Jesus. She's like politely probably nudging people. And at a certain point, I think she gets desperate. She done pushed the old lady down just to get to Jesus. She slapped Judas and she was like, hey, you're in my way. I need to get to Jesus. I ain't got no money. Like she was just trying to do what she could to get to Jesus. Weak but determined, struggling but focused. My question to you is, what if we pushed, pressed, and pursued God like this? See, I'm convinced that the people who want more from God will not wait for Wednesdays anymore. I'm convinced that the people that want more from God will not wait for Sunday morning anymore. They do not. They will not wait for altar calls. They will not wait to be told to worship. They will not wait for someone to tell them to say amen. They say enough is enough. I'm not doing this anymore. I need Jesus. She's pushing her. She keeps pushing her way, but no one sees her. No one notices her. And every person she has now touched in her attempt to get to Jesus is now unclean. She finally gets to him. And that means when she touches Jesus, he's unclean, too. The moment she touches him, according to law, he's unclean, too. In this story, that just proves to me that there is no sin so bad that Jesus can't touch us, forgive us and cleanse us. A piece of Jesus can make you whole. So she pushes past the perceptions and the consequences and the possibility of death. And she touches him anyway. Verse 29, instantly. Somebody say instantly. Her flow of blood ceased and she sensed in her body that she was healed of her affliction. At once, at once, Jesus realized in himself that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? His disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing against you. And yet you say, who touched me? But he was looking around to see who had done this. The disciples are like, Jesus, big dog, uh, big G upstairs, you know, here in human form. You tripping. Uh, Jesus, everybody is touching you. What do you mean who touched me? But Jesus turned around and ignored them, looking around, seeing who touched him. Isn't it crazy? Listen to this. That people can be surrounding Jesus. People can be in the presence of Jesus and never really touch him. You can be in the you can be in a church service, experience the power of God in rooms like this and never really touch him. You can be at church on Sunday mornings, engaged in worship, watching your friends worship, listening to Pastor Mark preach or whoever's the communicator that Sunday and never really touch Jesus. It's crazy to me. You can be in the presence of God and never experience his power. But Jesus is adamant and passionate about expressing his approval and acceptance towards us. So he stops and turns around and asks, who touched me? Verse 33. The woman with fear and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. She tells Jesus everything. I wonder how long that took. With fear and trembling, she, she probably steps out of the crowd. The crowd probably steps away thinking, man, what is this guy talking about who touched him? And I can imagine she steps up, and they're looking at her, and they're like, oh, my gosh, it's the lady with the issue of blood. She's been touching all us. Now my leg don't work. You know, they're they probably freaking out. They're like, oh, my gosh, she should be quarantined. And then she, she comes out, and she's shaking. She's afraid. And she falls before Jesus, and she tells him everything. Have you ever had someone try to tell you, try to talk to you while they're crying? 
I just was going to, you ever been around, like, come on, man, y'all been those people where you're like, I just, I can't get it out, Pastor Will, I, what, it hurt my, you know, you like, sometimes you're like, right, calm down, take a deep breath, and that's why when kids, like, especially, well, I'm saying kids, but, you know, when you cry, you get a good cry in, you know, it's like 30 minutes later, and you do this, you do that, if you finally catch back up, she's probably trying to talk to Jesus, she's crying, now, please hear me, just make, I'm going to make light of this situation, ladies, I love you. But have you ever had a woman tell you the whole story? The whole story? Y'all, we would have been there. Just buckle up because you're going to be here for a while. Like, she was like, we're on the way to heal Jairus' daughter. And now this lady that told us our whole story. And Jairus is probably like, yeah, now my baby girl dead. Let's kill her so we can go save my daughter. And what's funny, <laughs> what's funny, <laughs> if this was a dude in the story, if this was a dude, because ladies, we don't communicate well. If this was a dude, we'd be like this. He went up to him, shaking, trembling, you know, trying to tell the whole truth. And it would sound like this. Uh, I was sick. You touched me. I'm good now. Like, that's literally, that's literally how it go. I'm fine. Like, that's legit. How was your day? I got healed. You know, that would have been the end. But she tells him everything. No matter, how, no matter how dangerous it was, she admits everything. Look at her vulnerability. Her honesty. Lastly, please write this down. Hiding it won't heal you. Hiding it will not heal you. I just learned a long time ago that faking it won't fix it. That hiding it won't heal it. That faking it is exhausting. That faking your feelings won't lead you to healing. That faking it won't fix your feelings. And I get it. I get it, y'all. Look, some of you are really good at looking good. I get it. You really good at the face. Like some of y'all, y'all really good at the makeup. Like you've been faking it real well. But I'm just at this point where I'm not doing this no more. If I ask you how you're doing, I ask a follow-up question. And our leaders will tell you. I'm like, hey, how you doing? I'm good. How are you really doing? They'll be like, why you always ask me that? Because I'm just making sure. Because if you lie to me once, I'm okay with that. You lie to me twice, that's a problem. Like I want to know, are you okay? You're really good at hiding. You're really good at acting. The only issue with acting in life is that the only person you're ever really performing for is yourself, and you are entertaining your own self-destruction. We're not doing this no more. Some of you, you've been acting for so long, you've started to believe the lie that you live. And sometimes as believers, we become the biggest hypocrites because we're so good at faking it, especially in the South. But we're not doing this no more. Proverbs 12, 9, in the, in the passage translation says, just be who you are, for that's better than pretending. She just knew she had to touch Jesus. She knew she had to tell him the truth. But it is, isn't that just like the opposite of us? We don't want anyone touching the issue, especially Jesus. We don't want anyone to know everything. And we deceive ourselves thinking, if I can just hide it, It'll heal by itself. If I can just hide it, I don't have to worry about Jesus trying to heal it. If I hide it, then it'll be healed. That's not how this works. As I mentioned earlier, this is a dangerous thing to admit. The story could have been a, taken a dramatic turn if she broken the law and they stoned her. But regardless of being healed and, and her being able to be stoned at the same time, her blessing could have quickly became a burden. But I love, as I mentioned earlier, this woman's name is never mentioned. Jesus announces to her and to everyone around her, verse 34, daughter. Somebody say daughter. Daughter, he said to her, your faith has saved you. 
Go in peace and be healed from your affliction. Just like us, God doesn't acknowledge us by our condition. He calls us by our relationship. He says, son. He says, daughter. Go read the entirety of the story. It's Mark chapter 5, verses 21 through 43. Go read the whole thing. This story begins with a synagogue leader pleading with Jesus to come heal his daughter. And Jesus stops as if to say to him, I'm going to heal your daughter, but first let me heal mine. I'm on my way to heal your daughter, Jairus, but first let me heal my daughter. She needs me. He doesn't call us by our condition. He doesn't call us by our issue. He calls you by relationship. He calls you son and he calls you daughter. We got to realize when he tells the whole truth, we finally come to the realization that hiding it won't heal it. But this is what sin does. It causes you to think you can hide. But the truth of the matter is, no matter how much you hide, God will stop. He will turn around. He will look for you. He will never stop pursuing you. He will never stop asking who touched me. And some of you have been hiding for so long, you think hiding is normal. But we're not doing this anymore. Because on the other side of your hiding is your healing. I want to ask you this tonight. What are you hiding from? What are you ashamed of? What are you so worried about? 